We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Today, I'm talking with Mark Strafty, founder of Sherpa Digital Media, a video platform designed to engage and entertain your audience. Think of a webinar platform that's engaging and catered to the individual. Mark and I talk about some of his daily habits notebooks, his background in journalism, and how COVID-19 has made Sherpa insanely busy. We discuss the history of video and how it's changed over the last 10 years. As an example, YouTube has taught us that content does not need to be perfect to make an impact. Everyone can have a voice, and that voice can come from anywhere. His passion is to make tools for people to find and share their voice. We talk about why he still likes quality journalism as well as the importance of being responsible for using your voice and influence. Now more than ever, COVID-19 is accelerating the move to more media experience that are customized and streamed right into your living room. Attention is the most valuable commodity that media creators need to try and capture. At Sherpa, they use artificial intelligence to look for trends and opportunities to craft a unique experience for individuals that are looking for information about brands or products or whatever. Mark uses physical notebooks and time management to make sure that he's working on the right things. In particular, he likes to write down the night before what he has to do the next day so that he's focused on that instead of the hundreds of emails in his inbox. Mark does not want his inbox to dictate his day. He also uses his notebook as a way to do something that's just for him and not distracting any time he's trying to create something new. 
now. Let's get better together. Mark Strathke, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. I'm uh, really quite interested in what you're doing over at Sherpa Digital Media. But uh, before we kind of get into that, I'd like to know a little bit about you and kind of how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, and thanks again, by the way, for uh, having me on the on the podcast. Uh, so yeah, uh, so I'm the uh, chief executive officer uh, here at Sherpa, and uh, we're a webinar and webcast platform. Um, so you traditionally see us in the marketing and sales and communication space. And uh, you know, we uh, we here at Sherpa think that we've got something really, really unique. We use a lot of artificial intelligence um, and really cognitive learning in order to make people's jobs a lot easier. Um, and uh, that is and couldn't be more accurate right now with uh, kind of the, the place that we find ourselves in the coronavirus. And uh, a lot of people working from home, if not almost everybody working from home these days. And uh, trying to make everybody's lives a little bit easier, uh, trying to use technology to help people go through their day to day and uh, have honestly a lot more time to focus on family and friends and staying connected with their communities. Uh, which that has become a significant challenge. Um, and uh, yeah, as you can probably, your your listeners are probably experiencing that. Yeah, um, a lot of yeah, people so, are. Yeah, so we're, uh, so we're headquartered in uh, San Mateo and we uh, got started in 2011. Uh, we got started um, in a time where uh, things were changing. Uh, mobile devices were coming out of the woodwork and uh, uh, video platforms were still trying to figure out that whole mobility space. Mm -hmm. So we set out in a thesis to make that world easier. And over time, we've developed quite a technology offering that's used by some of the world's largest companies. And uh, it's been a it's been an amazing ride. Been an amazing ride. Yeah. I mean, so 2011 till now. So that's nine years, roughly. Yeah. Um, lots changed in nine years. Um, there's changed. been some massive technology companies that have come and gone and things that haven't even really existed. I mean, I don't think like for in terms of video, I don't think YouTube was even that big or maybe I'm I'm wrong. I'm not a big, <laughs> big YouTube fan or not, not a fan. I don't watch it very often. But <laughs> but I mean, ha have you seen the use of video sort of evolve? Because I can't think of another time where, I mean, it's there's streaming everywhere. There's Netflix, there's Amazon Prime, there's YouTube, there's Venmo. I mean, there's just everyone's going to video. I mean, people are going to podcasting too because that's a kind of a different sort of genre. But sure. what have you seen as the, this video explosion? I mean, what, what do you think is really driving it? So I think uh, when, I, when I look at YouTube um, and I look at, what YouTube kind of did for video was that it taught us that content didn't have to be perfect. It taught us that we didn't have to have uh, full studio production quality to make an impact. Yeah. And um, a voice could come from anywhere. You know, it could come from the farthest reaches of a desert uh, to San Francisco. Right. right. And, uh, I think what YouTube did was it really opened the door to a more level playing field. And uh, it really opened that up to almost anybody of any demographic, um, opened the door to any budget. 
and gave people a voice, quite honestly, that didn't have voices before. Um, and I think that when you kind of look at the span of how YouTube um, and then social media has obviously developed um, over the years, that really, it's really opened a door to people that just didn't have voices. And I think that when I look at video, I think that's one of my uh, most passionate elements is that you see you see people from any socioeconomic environment suddenly have the ability to reach and scale and even develop a living. Yeah, no, you see that on YouTube all the time. Yeah. So I think that, you know, what, what is, what has really changed? Um, so I think one, our perceptions have changed about, you know, what content versus quality means. Mm. But I think something that's happened uh, dramatically um, really over the last uh, few short years is that the concept of what broadcast journalism is, yeah. and you look at, um, you know, where sources of content and what, you know, what's considered journalism has, has dramatically changed. Um, and you see all the major networks struggling with that. And, and I think that, you know, I probably would be uh, lying to you and to, you know, listeners here if I thought that that was a positive change uh, hmm. on some of the... Um, I'm not a big fan of the clickbait. Yeah, um, neither I am really I. Actually, appreciate real journalism. I appreciate really studying a story and analyzing. So I think that that's been a negative change. But I think on the positive side, you know, again, opening the door to a wide range of voices um, and people that can share true, intimate, real, personal experiences with with news is, is definitely changed. I think what's what we were seeing um, across the broadcast and cable and the media and entertainment space. So generally, what we call broadcast television and uh, entertainment, motion picture, and so forth. You know, we've seen a massive shift. Um, we've seen the broadcasters now in a position where uh, they're now going over the internet, and cable providers are dramatically changing. That footprint has radically changed the concept of what. It, cord cutter is you yeah know, people that are subscribing yeah 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 over the internet for content yep incredible change i think that when we look at the last few months certainly last few weeks everything has changed yeah um every, you know you look at um you know you look at the movie studios you know traditional you know, your, your disney's your you know your foxes coming together and then you've got you know your paramounts and the fact that movie theaters are closed and that entire shift of that industry to the home market uh things that we thought would take decades <laughs> happened overnight i know it's crazy right yeah overnight i mean not uh, even I, no joke yeah that's no, not it's interesting yeah. that's like not that's like not an exaggeration <laughs> it's not a yeah absolutely i mean our local movie theater i mean you and i are in the san francisco Bay area yeah all of our local movie theaters have been closed for quite some time and content is now coming directly to the house. Yeah. And uh, I actually never thought that would happen in such short order, but uh, I guess all it took was a pandemic. Yeah. I know my, my fiance Minerva, one of the things that she's looking forward to is actually going to a movie theater because she likes that experience. So, Me too. Um, you know, and, and there's a certain amount of that that I think is really powerful. I mean, I know, movie theaters over the last decade have had just a tough time and and yeah. just like retail in general like you know brick and mortar retail it's not that it's dying it's just that it's changing yeah. and the old models don't work anymore they just don't like 
you got to be online, on demand, on premise. You have to have a whole ecosystem around you so that the customer experience is just that much better, right? Because you're you're pay, you're you're competing for someone's attention that's already so overwhelmed and <laughs> overloaded with just about the I don't know how many billions of hours on YouTube and and, and whatever. And and my guess is in what you do. Um, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because I think it's really important. Like, how do you get the attention of the people that you're trying to serve? I mean, you know, you've got some big, you mentioned some big companies that use your, your products and, um, and all that. But is there a methodology on how you get above the noise? Because there's a lot out there. I mean, with the more content, there's going to be not only more things to watch, uh, but more distractions. Uh, but yeah, how do you, how do you guys kind of raise the bar so that your content gets seen? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in our world, uh, we use a lot of machine intelligence. Uh, so we use essentially the scale of compute uh, to look for trends and look for things that could be opportunities. Um, and we bake that into the product so that the for example, if you look at, you know, what our traditional use cases are, so if we look at, uh, say, a virtual event, mm-hmm. um, so you've got, uh, say, for example, a, a CES-type event that suddenly now finds itself without the ability to bring people in in person. Yeah. And so when you look at our product as really kind of a virtual event experience, um, we essentially solve a very issue, which is where people go to learn about products and services. So, for example, we replace that physical event with a virtual one and give you some of the same capabilities. And what's, uh, what's different with us is that instead of roving potentially an endless show floor at CES, you can be very focused on a very specific thing. Hmm. So if you're interested in learning about, uh, you know, a Samsung or an Apple device or a Sony device, um, when our customers build these environments, they're building it just for themselves oh. and then marketing it to their audiences so that when you attend one of their events, it's solely focused on just them. Hmm. And the technology in our platform allows companies like that to learn as people experience the content online. So if you're visiting uh, a Samsung virtual event, a virtual booth, so to speak, uh, Samsung is actually learning a lot about you as you look at and digest different content. And as you spend certain time over here versus certain time over here, our platform is actually looking at your behavior and then helping direct you to the next thing. So rather than having a very common, bland experience that has been completely preset, yeah. it's now highly explorative. Hmm. So you can actually, we actually give you a very personalized experience and access to potentially thousands of content options that are personalized for just you. Hmm. Uh, so that's something that our customers really enjoy because they can really personalize. And, and, the, and to the point that you said earlier about how do you get above that noise? Yeah. Well, that allows them to be very targeted at the individual level and deliver a very rich brand experience that normally would be a very kind of common, repetitive one. Hmm. 
Wow. So, so does that include virtual reality and stuff it like does. that? It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, virtual cool. reality, augmented reality, 360 video experiences. Um, and, uh, again, it's really kind of about that tailoring and personalization right. uh, for each and every user. And, and now that people are at home, they are hungry for yeah. more content. Yeah. I mean, it's y'all must be pretty busy. <laughs> we are. <laughs> <laughs> to say that we've grown substantially is probably the understatement of the week. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. It's amazing, huh? How it is. How, how like the world can change so rapidly and then just trying to like all of these trends that you see just accelerate by orders of magnitude. Just absolutely overnight. I mean and, and it's funny how that works because you see a lot of these trends that are of course they develop. I mean, even, you know, again, we're we're part of the COVID we're in the COVID time right now. So we always right. talk, we're always talking about COVID, uh, but you see a lot of the macro trends in society and in, in economies uh, accelerate, which everyone kind of had in their gut, like, ah, you know, it's probably going to happen eventually, but boy, to make it happen within the next three months, two months, sometimes on a dime. I mean, I had a, someone who was telling me that they, they ran an events <laughs> company um, and overnight, you know, revenue almost went to zero because no right. one, everyone was canceling events. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, how, how did you come to do this sort of stuff? Do, do you have a background in video or it just seems like a very, I mean, eclectic mix of skills, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I started in uh, broadcast television. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, I worked my way through the uh, major networks uh, and then had a rare and unique opportunity to go work at a very large high-tech company mm. in Cupertino. <laughs> and, uh, hmm, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so uh, really got a taste for the ultimate dream of TV on the internet. Yeah. And uh, really trying to, and we talked again about this kind of towards the beginning, and that is really that idea that my dream back then for TV on the internet would really be, you know, to remove barriers. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. seeing, seeing how anyone could access the internet and actually stream content, stream video, actually deliver content with a unique and rare perspective, I was really excited and fascinated about that. And... Uh, so I transitioned uh, from broadcast television, um, fair amount actually in journalism, um, over to essentially the software and video world online. And, uh, and that's how I kind of made the switch. And then, of course, you know, with the you know, co-founding of Sherpa, you know, we were looking to take that and, and also give really the marketing and sales world, a chance to be far more personalized rather than having to present always the same thing to large amounts of people, try to make it more tailored. Because again, that's kind of like, again, the same thing where you're trying to create that personalized yeah. voice experience uh, rather than again, a very kind of copy paste stamp, stamp, stamp. Yeah. Version of it. Yeah. It's like choose your own adventure. <laughs> and, that's right. That's a great way to put it. Well, I mean, and, and I think that's a really powerful thing because uh, a lot of times, I mean, you know, I go to trade shows and there's a certain nice thing about being able to like walk the floor and you feel the energy and, you know, you can like Absolutely. haphazardly 
stumble upon something cool. Yes. But, you know, I usually have like, okay, this is what I want to figure out or go see. Um, and it is nice to have a tailored experience. And again, as that goes more and more online, I think it's only going to get more and more valuable because again, attention is the thing I think that a lot of people are trying to fight for. Um, yeah. And the more I think unique and tailored an experience is the, just the better it's going to be. So um, my guess is you're going to get even more busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much trending that way for sure. Yeah. So, 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 how do you handle that? I mean, you know, what do you do to kind of manage your time? I mean, you know, before, obviously, before COVID and now during COVID, but what are some of the things that have really guided you on this entrepreneur journey? Because, I mean, you know, it's been what, almost, well, it's been what, nine years, almost nine going years. on 10. So, yeah, any, absolutely, anything that you kind of learned through that journey? So I think that over the, over the years, really time management has really stemmed around kind of knowing where my boundaries are, uh, knowing exactly when I need to turn off at the end of the day and really know when I'm going to start things up at the beginning of a day. Uh, I'd say, especially for entrepreneurs, we have such a passion uh, for what we're doing and we get so excited and that to-do list can be so endless that <laughs> it's true. turning that off at night, especially when you get going, yeah, um, yeah it's hard. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I'll just do one more, <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll wrap up for the night. And and I'll, and I'll be honest, I think that um, learning to learning to turn that off and creating boundaries and having mechanical uh, things like, for example, a calendar. Oh. That tells you to turn off. Yeah, uh, it tells you to say go spend time with the family because uh, at the end of the day, um, you know the people that we are in community with, our our families, um, those are the things that, especially for me, are so critically important, and I want to keep those things very healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so having mechanisms that remind you to say, you know what, tomorrow's another day, and you can always put those things in the next day. And it's so funny. Sometimes some of the things that I work on, I'll just be quite honest with you. Some of the things that I work on, um, you know, that late night, that 2 a.m., you know, uh, PowerPoint typing frenzy or that uh, press release or that blog post, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, you know, that really wasn't worth yeah. missing that time to watch the movie with yeah. the girls. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Wasn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, time management is important. I mean, everyone I've talked yeah. to, seems to be very interested in how to be more efficient, uh, and yeah. time as well. Are there any daily practices other than, you know, time management or scheduling that you do that sort of ground you in the day or start your day off or, yeah. you know, anything like that? Yeah. So, um, especially in we're as, as you said, we're in the kind of the coronavirus era. Um, so what I've had to do is when I wake up in the morning, not, immediately grab my phone and start reading emails. Um, so what I traditionally do the night before is I write down physically, actually physically write down, and, and I have a notepad in front of me, by the way, um, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, I literally write down what I need to be focused on in the morning. Oh, okay. So that I don't immediately go to email because when I open my email, there's 300 messages. 
and you know this guy could be falling <laughs> and, or this guy could be sunny could be any number of things but yeah i don't want to start my day with a preconceived idea from the first email that i saw so i actually write in my I have basically I have a hybrid journal slash notebook that, uh, and I have now probably almost hundreds of them. Oh wow! Um, that go back now almost fifteen years. Um, wow! And basically, I just write right before I go to bed. I write what I'm concerned about. I write what I should focus on the next morning, and I try to go through my kind of morning ritual of breakfast and all those things focused on what was in my book the night before, uh, what was a priority at the end of the day yesterday, rather than being spontaneously shocked by inbound emails and so forth. Um, I also have the great Apple device here. <laughs> so there you go, I said it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that actually sets do not disturb times. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, there are only two or three exceptions in the list that are allowed to do that. Uh, my family is one, but there's a couple of colleagues here at work that have authority to disrupt that. And uh, so if they reach out, then I realize that there's something that needs to be done that's different. Yeah. yeah. So I use a combination of actual technology, things like do not disturb combined with a journal that basically sets my day because what happens is if I don't do that, then I'm a slave to the device. I'm a slave to the next thing. And for time management, I would say that that is the biggest danger I have because I will slip right into that world. I will slip into type emails. <laughs> so, yeah. Be like, dig, dig deep into the mm -hmm. inbox. Like, what, what, what kind of journal is it? What's the, what, what, what's the yeah. type of journal? Yeah, so I, I yeah, I'm I'm holding it up. It's a really nice leather journal. I actually spend real money on it. Um I actually also spend real money on my uh pens. I've got essentially these really nice oh, wow. pens yeah. so that when you write in it, it has a very comforting artistic feel. Yeah. Um in my particular world, I tend to be very uh lines free. Huh. Um, Okay. That my journals have lines in it. Oh, okay. Um, which allows me to draw pictures. Mm. For example, if I'm trying to, uh, because I'm a very pictorially driven person, um, having the freedom to just essentially do a whiteboard uh, in my journal to oh. sometimes describe a thought. So rather than being focused on having to actually write out in between those lines, being freeform and saying, you know, this, you know, sometimes my to-do list for the morning mm -hmm. are actually diagrams oh um so i have a wide range of ways that i kind of use this as anything from a, a true journal to a sketch pad to actually to-do lists wow and i allow myself to be flexible the night before to say that you know it doesn't always have to be the same thing and yeah and and, and i have actually at home in addition to this journal i have a giant actual canvas based 11 by 17 version Oh, that I use for much larger brainstorming ideas. Oh, okay. And uh, I have a few, few of those. Few. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Cause see my, my fiance Minerva 
Um, she had, I think they're called Leviton. I think they're these Leviton item planners and she just loves these things. And so it has got all these inserts and it's, you know, free form. It's got mind maps and she loves pens too. She's like really loves good pens, but good pens that aren't like super expensive. So not like a, you know, a Mont Blanc pen, more like a gel throwaway pen that, you know, that. It feels good. So her 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 yeah. whole thing is she likes to write it down and feel it and draw. So really interesting that that uh, is part of your process too. I I tend to try to do that as well, like the the, the sketching and and the drawing. Yeah. I I don't have a a really nice physical journal, although she's bought me a couple. I'm actually probably going to start doing it more because I kind of like that feeling, the tactile feel. The yeah. You know, because I, I write a lot of books and I write a lot of podcasts and, you know, what I do for my day jobs, a lot of writing and creativity and mm-hmm. messaging. And what I found is that that whole getting it on the page process yeah. of taking it from my head and sticking it on the page. Yes. It's now it, it frees me. <laughs> I feel like I yes. feel better. <laughs> is that how you feel about it, too, when you when you write these things down? Oh, I sure do. In fact, it's so funny. What I would write in a journal versus an email that mm-hmm. I would write, mm-hmm. entirely different. You know, I look at email and I look at that as a very um, cold. Yeah. A very interesting, a very flat, non-emotional yeah. communication tool versus my hand with a, with a pen and an open sheet of paper is an entirely different thing it's a very personal thing and uh, so I find that our, the digital tools that surround me and I have a lot of digital tools throughout the course of my day a lot of different tools uh, <laughs> but when it comes to this journal it's a very personal thing and it's something that travels with me all the time it's on airplanes not so much now these days <laughs> I'm not traveling right 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 but, you know it travels with me in the car and it's something that is non-distracting um, I know that when I open it, there's not going to be a hundred messages yeah. from somebody else. Oh, good point. So good it point. is a very focused tool. Um, and I almost hate calling it a tool, but the only person that is contributing to this is me. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. You know, I never thought of it that way because one of the things that is like, so when I'm, when I'm like at a meeting, mm-hmm. um, I'll tend to doodle and I'm not a very good yes. doodler, but I'm with you. I want to learn how to doodle better and like draw little things because I'm more and more people are asking me, well, how would you visualize this? And I'm like, I really don't know. I can write the copy around it, but visualization is a lot harder, you know, (laughs) but, but when I'm, when I'm like listening to someone for whatever reason, and I may write notes, but I may never read the note, but the act of moving the pen, drawing a little thing, writing a note, like the physical I remember it more. I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure there's some studies that say why, but it, I'm sure there is. it feels better. It, I think yeah. it's that that just that tactile thing, which I think we miss a lot with these devices, right? Because you know, I, I love my iPhone, Apple. Of course, I have one. I got a Mac. I've got all, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a fan, right? Um, sure. But I remember what I try to do at night now. Is in I try to read a physical book, um, mm-hmm. and I've been doing okay. this more and more. And a lot of the f- the people that I've talked to have do the same thing. Um, 
And the reason being is that, you know, you shouldn't do a lot of devices at night because of all the blue light or whatever oh, that just spins you up. And you're, and I think your point, I now finally figured it out when you said it, it's only me in this book or this piece of paper. No one can distract me. This yes. is mine. And it yes. feels like I'm in control. And I think that was the thing I didn't, until you said that, I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like, there's no distractions in my notebook. My notebook's my notebook. Exactly. It's there for me. It's That's there right. for no one else but me. Wow. You know, I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to start writing the notebooks again because uh, I, I think it's important to have those, especially now, to have that me. You know, it sounds a little selfish, but I think we need the me. Like, what's what am I doing for me? And so yeah. do you think this practice of writing in notebooks and like sort of setting your day up, I mean, is there anything else that you sort of do for you that sort of sets you up to have a better day, to be a better person? I mean, you know, anything else that, that you could share? Yeah, you know, I think that there is something to be said about walking the dog. Um, so there is when uh, – so my wife and I have been married now for over 21 years. And uh, for about 15 of those years, we've had a dog and now two dogs. And getting out into the fresh air and leaving your phone behind when you do that. Hmm. Um, so I actually take, I have, a again, another Apple device that happens to be wrapped around my wrist. Uh, you could probably <laughs> guess what that is. Um, but the uh, the short is having a a time that is additionally disconnected that I know that I'm spending the time as silly as it sounds with the dog yeah, and walking through the neighborhood yeah. and having that separation time to just take in fresh air, uh, enjoy the sunlight, which is now even more important than ever. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, for sure. so much of our lives are kind of stuck indoors. Um, and really having that kind of separated time where, you know, I, you know, talk with my wife about things and it's funny when you get out and start moving around and exercise a little bit that clearing of the mind is an epic thing mm -hmm. and it's so funny like I'll I'll be stressed about something and the moment I hook up the dog and go outside and start walking it's like suddenly there's a perspective that happens there so for the for the journal <clears throat> it's kind of like this, you know, it's, it's job is to get my ideas and thoughts and passions and dreams and to do lists down on paper. But the walk is all about emptying my mind, focusing on what's important because the journal honestly will lie to me sometimes. <laughs> uh, sometimes like we lie, you know. we, we sometimes lie to ourselves. That's it's true. It, it, happens. <laughs> it, happens, it happens. It happens for sure. But the walk uh, is really a time where it's just this decompression. Uh, you know, you see the birds, you know, you see other people walking around. And I think that that is such a critical thing to really separate yourself away sometimes from that digital input. Um, and so I try to do that at least once a day. Um, we find that one of our favorite times to go out as a family is kind of in the evening right after dinner. And that's a great time where it's, you know, it's around sunset. It's just a very pretty time to be out mm -hmm. and just kind of seeing kind of the world around you, the creation around you is just a really neat time to kind of like just 
kind of get things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's studies that on that, that too. I'm sure there are. <laughs> um, I'm sure there are. And 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 it's that's so interesting because you know what what I tried to do is get out as well every day, um, and and I have my best ideas when I'm working out or doing something yes. random that's physical, because yeah. then the mind is sort of free, and the body is you know getting all that tension and the nervous energy and all the like ah you know. Um, and I think that's a skill that a lot of, I mean, maybe a lot of young entrepreneurs maybe don't do as much because they're all like, ah, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta crush it. I gotta work 16 sure. hour yes. days, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. and if you get caught in that trap on that treadmill, not, yeah, not a good sign because again, I think your experience, my experience, and the people that I've had on the show that have been a little older in their years, a little more gray in the beard or gray in the hair, <laughs> have found that the perspective in the quiet time and the reflective thinking time yes. was where they just got the most insights. Um, and so it, when, when you, when you like are going to engage with a client as an example and build these, you know, interactive virtual sort of things, mm-hmm. um, the the process that you go through, um, it, is it like they want you to to do the whole thing? Or is is I guess the reason why I'm asking is because that creativity side of things yeah. sometimes with corporate folk, yeah, sometimes they don't understand that the process is the process, and it, it's not like you know we don't know how it's going to kind of come out we know kind of how it's going to be but it's sort of the zig and zag you know within these guardrails of 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 of, you know physics and reality and budget um is how does that process work for you guys because because i can imagine you know with obviously the increase in demand for what you're doing um there could be a lot of pressure to sort of i wouldn't say cut corners because cut corners is not the word i want to use but to, 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 to not have the time to think through the creative process. D- does, does that make sense? You know, it does. Um, so we take a very, and when I say we, I say Sherpa as a company, mm-hmm. um, and this is instilled into every single one of our team members, by the way. Um, we take a very, what we call consultative approach. and we never demo in first contact ever. Hmm. Okay. Um, And that means that it takes a little bit longer sometimes to go through a process with Sherpa. And guess what? That's okay. Hmm. Uh, Because we want to understand really what your goals are and the things that are stressing you out. Um, Video is a very stressful thing. A live event is billion times more stressful <laughs> because true. a lot's happening at once. Yeah. And unless you do it every day, like we do or every day, like a broadcaster does or like you as a podcaster, those are unique moments in time for sales and marketing professionals and communication professionals. And they don't do it every day. And so it's a very stressful thing. There's a lot of things writing. So what we like to do at the beginning of uh, our sales consultations when somebody first comes in is to understand what are they concerned about? Hmm. What are the things that are going to keep them up at night? 
And we make that part of the experience with us where we look to help them understand that we've got their back. You know, we're going to support them. Um, and while the product comes out of the box and you can use it without actually even interacting with us, uh, the short is that we want to understand what is going through the minds um, of our customers and the fears that they have so that we can reduce that and we can show that they don't necessarily have to be afraid of those things. Hmm. And so that's a big part of our process is to really kind of help them get into the mindset that there's somebody there that has the expertise that's going to support them. So that's a, that is a huge part of our process. Um, so what that traditionally means is that we've had customers that have been concerned about waking up on time for their event. <laughs> you know, they might be traveling to oh, wow. a part of the world that they're not used to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that might mean that Sherpa calls them and gives them a wake-up call to, and, and, you know, maybe it's dropping off coffee at their door. Oh, wow. Huh. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's picking them up and driving them to the location that they need to go to. Um, and especially when there's a team we often on the production services side where we have partners that are helping with the lights, camera, action aspect of, of what we do, having that real personal touch uh, from those teams and not make it so sterile. Uh, because again, these are things that they don't do every day. Yeah. And in some cases, these are what we consider unicorn level events, you know, where you oh. do two of these a year. Yeah. Yeah. One a year, like you look at CAS and CES. Yeah. That's once uh, a year. You yeah. know, those are, those are monumental moments uh, for them. And so those are very stressful. So we kind of look for little simple ways that we can make life easier uh, and try to reduce the stress. Um, because again, video can be really, really fun. Live events can be extraordinarily fun. Yeah. Uh, and we really hope that that passion that we have for it gets communicated over to them and then they actually enjoy it as well. So, yeah, that, you know, I never thought of that. If you're not used to, Lights, camera, action, the setup, being on air. Yeah, that could be pretty stressful. <laughs> now that I think about it, boy, I mean, I think that's an interesting way just in general to think about just customer interactions and how, how, how to, well, just probably how to interact with people in general. Um, mm -hmm. I really like what you said about what's their fear uh, because yeah. a lot of behavior and a lot of conflict is generated by the other person or group's fear of either the unknown or what they don't know or making their maybe look bad. And and I and wow, it's so interesting that you say that because if you let's say you if the fear comes out right away and you yes. mitigate the fear or you reduce the level of anxiety and you make that interaction just a lot more pleasant. I mean <laughs> you know, bringing someone coffee to make sure they get to the location on time or driving them or giving them an email wake up or just the, I mean, that's a little yeah. thing. That's like not even, I mean, you know, you not guys got, thing. yeah, huge, massive AI experience with all this technology. And it's like, yes. you know, we really like working with Sherp because they got, they brought us coffee. <laughs> no, I, I kid you not. That is, I, I kid you not. Honestly, that is like when we do these postmortems, some of the things that come out are have nothing to do with the technology success or nothing to do with the campaign success. And so like, gosh, thanks for knocking on my door. 
that morning or thanks for picking me up or thanks for sending me that little encouraging note. Yeah. Yeah. That is that human touch is, I think, and that runs through our veins here. Yeah. Um, And part of it is because it runs through my veins that wanting to be kind of that interpersonal human touch um, through very stressful times. And and, and I'll, and I'll tell you that our team is really focused, especially these days in Corona on how we can do that. How can we help be part of your community and, and reduce the stress and burdens that you're going through because the demands are greater now than they've ever been. Yeah. No doubt about that. Well, well, how are you guys doing that in this sort of virtual zoom WebEx world <laughs> where, yeah. you know, you can't bring someone a cup of coffee or, you know, I mean, I'm, I remember even, you know, in some cases when it's appropriate, like even giving someone a hug or shaking their hand or, yeah. you know, because, because humans, we need that physical contact to like, know that we're being seen. How, how you know, and, and it's funny. One of, one of the people that I've, uh, um, that I interviewed before Candace, uh, she, she actually writes physical thank you notes to people that, oh that, that is like, you know, that, that talk to her or whatever. And sometimes she can't find their actual address. So she'll take a picture of it, <laughs> the physical card and send, send an email saying like, I thought of you, I wrote a card, like again, the physical writing of something. Um, because she's just like, this is who I am. I just, I, I feel that I'm going to want to show appreciation. So, you know, how, how is you, how are you and your team? And again, in this kind of virtual world, which is not very, it, it's good. I'm glad we have it. Don't get me wrong. It's, it helps out a lot, it, but it's not. It, it's not a, it's not like being there, you know, it's how, sure. how are you guys, what are some of the kind of things that you guys are trying to do to make it a little more personal in this virtual world? So, um, and I can't take all the credit for a couple of examples that I'm going to give here. Um, we currently have a, um, a fairly significant side uh, kind of multinational event that's currently running right now. Um, and so we're, we have an event that's running in, I think, almost every major language uh, in the world. Wow. And with audiences uh, coming from literally everywhere. Wow. And the customer during the course of the consultative approach at the beginning um, said, I really want to do something different for my viewers. And... Normally, you know, an event would be an event and, you know, people get a link in their inbox and so forth. Yeah. So what they decided to do, and this was no small thing, they decided that for every single attendee, they would allow them to pick from a menu, a regional dinner menu. Wow. And they had meals delivered to that attendee. Man. Everywhere in the world. Whoa. <laughs> Just because wow. what they were used to, what the attendees were used to, was coming to a, an actual physical location mm-hmm. and having dinner with colleagues and, yeah. and you know, actually, you know, you know, breaking bread. Yeah. Right? And mean, that's an important part of the physical connection. Is. Yeah. So what they opted to do was to provide that meal experience, that very personalized meal experience, which was safely delivered through various different meal providing services all over the world. (laughs) And there were regional menus, by the way, the the menus went from sushi to lentils. Wow. I mean, it's, it's an epic, an epic amount of work 
that they did to create a very personalized experience. And so those, I, I could go into several other examples, but I think what is unique is when you have the time to think creatively, like you said earlier on, when you have that time to kind of get out of your head and you're not so worried about the stresses of things, it is amazing what creative things you can do. I mean, I look at people that didn't know how to sew masks yeah. 30 days ago, and the fact that they can sew masks and put that together and share that with their friends and community and friends and family and yeah, so forth. It's beautiful. All it takes is just kind of pushing the mundane aside for a second, and what would appear impossible two minutes ago is suddenly like, oh, wow, no, that's totally doable. And now the concept of delivering meals to every single attendee of a virtual event to help them feel more engaged in the experience. And by the way, that event is running 10 out of 10. Yeah. I yeah. mean, people are staying engaged all the way through. The yeah. interactions are through the roof, higher than any yeah. event engagement they've ever had. Yeah. Um, but the reality is when you have that creative time, when you push the world aside for a minute, and focus on just getting your ideas and your creative approaches out on paper, or maybe it's an email. <laughs> I tell you, things change. Things things change. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, uh, so that's such a great example because one of the things that people run into, at least that I've found, that aren't entrepreneurs that don't have that mindset or that creative mindset, mm -hmm. is they're afraid that they won't be able to do something. Or they're like, oh, I could never do, you know, Pick, pick whatever dream or thing people yeah. want to do. And what I found is fascinating and, you know, there's a lot of bad news out there. So I, I tend not to want to do too much reading on the internet because it just can make you mental. But mm -hmm. the amount of creativity and resilience and pivoting and, I mean, it's incredible. Like I have a, I have a friend who uh, who's pivoted, within like 14 days from idea to prototype of this this medical pod that's just wow. amazing. I mean, incredible what his name's Jeremiah, what he did and his team and it's just just like holy wow, this is incredible. And 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 he, you know, you talk with them and you know, he's a creative guy, he's, you know, lives in LA yeah. and he's like, you know, he, nothing not a clue about medical stuff, but he's like I need to do something. And you know what? I'm going to pull some things together. I'm going to see what I can do. And I think a lot of people are realizing like, oh, you know what? I, I think I could do this. You know, it's yeah. not that hard. And it's not. It's just the confidence. And, and sometimes it's the situation, which, you know, I find really interesting that in the situation we're in, some businesses are going to be so busy that they won't be able to keep up. Some are going to yeah. be completely devastated. And it's, it's a sad thing. And then there's going to be like yeah, the people really that are, you know, going to adjust, right? And, and, you know, as entrepreneurs and as people that are, you know, I'm busy as well. And, you know, we need to help those people. That's part of the reason this podcast exists. That's part of the reason why I do what I do is to be of service. And I think what's really fascinating about what you're trying to do um, is have that service mentality, which is, which is a lot of people have, but I do like the fact that it's, I want, I don't want to say above and beyond because I don't think it's an above and beyond thing. I think it just reflects the personality of a, of a team and a group where 
you know, they would make it happen that everyone would get a meal delivered to them. They wouldn't be like, we can't do that. They'd be like, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that attitude, I think, is my hope will happen more and more. So, I mean, are you seeing that? Do you, do you feel that sort of momentum because of all of this? I do. I, I see constantly um, people trying to find clever and unique ways to make other people's lives better. And, you know, I kind of point to the masks, but there are dozens, if not hundreds of thousands of other examples out there where people are pitching in in whatever way they can. And it's interesting watching the world kind of try to come together right now yeah. and watching neighbors helping neighbors. And for example, in our, in, in our area here, uh, there are people riding around on bicycles, uh, like tech executives and, you know, uh, I mean, everybody willing to go get people's medicine and drop it off at their door. Yeah. Like CEOs, of, of major companies going out of their way during the day to help friends and neighbors um, yeah. that might not be able to go to the store, might yeah. not be able to do this or that. And I, I would encourage other, other leaders to truly lead by that example. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not that I'm trying to, you know, pull the whip out in the big stick and say, Hey, do your part, do your part. That's not, right. what, I'm, that's right. not what I'm saying at all. Right. What I'm saying is that, um, look for really unique ways that you can really help your community. Um, look for ways that, um, if you see a need, you know, try to fill it. And, um, and again, I've been so encouraged by, you know, the stories that I've heard and, and even in our own neighborhood where people are looking out for each other. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I've not seen that before. Yeah. I mean, no. again, I hate to say that it was a pandemic that brought a lot of us together. Right. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of really bad, terrible things out there. As you said, I totally yeah. agree. There's a lot of really bad, terrible things out there right now. And it's a very sad, it's a very sad time. But there's also a lot of incredible good going on right now. Um, and that is such an encouragement to see. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the perfect place to end. So Mark, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed the time. All right. Stay safe. We'll talk soon. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting thedailymba.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest that you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about in this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.
Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.